program every quarter, I believe it is, we have a memory verse. The kids that memorize it, they get a ribbon, and after they memorize two of them of the same quarter, they get a, uh, uh, a medal, and then after that they get a trophy. Just appreciation and the, show them the value that God's Word is, especially when you have it hidden within your heart. As you notice, something is up here. If you're unaware, this is a week of vacation Bible school. We'll be giving control of our church over to the International Spy Academy this week. Uh, Vacation Bible School, if you're unable to be part of it, pray. Pray for what the Lord wants to do this week. Pray for the servants. It's a lot of work. takes a lot of effort. And if you want to be part of it at any time, you can show up. If you've yet to sign your kids up, it's not too late. You can sign them up. You can even sign them up the day of. Or if you want to invite a neighbor, even if they're only able to come out for one day, even if it's the last day, the Word of God's going to go out, and so the opportunity is there. We pre-register in order to make things move a little smoother, but you can, again, register any one of the nights, even if it's just one night. Um, those have, who have pre-registered, your names, I think Sean announced, are on the bulletin board. You can see what class your child is in, and uh, Thursday evening service is going to be Vacation Bible School this week. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We'll be picking up at verse 5. And as always, if you arrived here today without a Bible, we'd like for you to follow along, and there should be one in front of you underneath the seat. If there isn't, and if you need a Bible, if you'll raise your hands, the ushers will bring one to you. Does anybody need a Bible? Everybody good? Well, then go ahead and stand, and we'll read today's verses. Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Father, we do lift up this day, Father, as we look at this concept of prayer. I pray, Father, that you would show us, Lord, the value in it, the command to do it, but also, Lord, the necessity to grasp onto it. I pray, Father, that you would bless our time in your word one more time, that, Lord, as we continue to go verse by verse, you address all elements of Christianity. Address this one, Lord. Give us a surety within our heart that we would truly have that peace of God which surpasses all understanding, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. So obviously the subject here today is prayer. We got to that portion of the book of Philippians. And well, if you would really, most of us have prayed all of our lives. If you've been gone to, gone to church, you've been told to pray, told it's a necessity. And a lot of us just do it just because we were told to. But have you ever dissected it? Have you ever really looked at prayer? Have you ever wondered about prayer? I mean, think about it. Why do we pray? What difference does prayer really make anyway? Is God seated upon his throne? Is he waiting for me to pray? I mean, is he waiting for me to pray before he acts on a matter? Does he need our permission? Does he want our encouragement? If God decides to act on a matter, is he going to change his mind because I presented a better way through prayer? Does somebody else's salvation really depend upon my prayer? If that's the case, because I don't pray, are there going to be people going to hell because of that? Is anybody's healing dependent upon my prayer? Do I have the power to heal all, or if I don't pray, are all going to get sick? 
Does the well-being of a nation depend upon me praying? Is this nation dependent upon the church in that regard? Well, all of these questions we do need to have answered because I need to have a surety within my heart. In order to have an effective prayer life, faith and doubt can't coexist. I mean, I can't just be praying just because I'm told to. I've got to understand what's going on in the midst of prayer. So in order to have a fruitful prayer life, I must maintain a proper biblical perspective of prayer. In order to do that, I've got to understand specifically what does the Bible say about a praying believer and why a praying believer is a believer who prays. And so it's important, this perspective of prayer that we can have, this perspective, the proper perspective we gain through defining prayer as God has presented prayer to us. He has commanded us to pray but God's also going to show us why we need to pray. And so the questions that I asked previously, they're from the perspective of prayer being for God. And we can have that improper perspective. Now, don't get me wrong. God appreciates our prayer, but prayer is not for God. Prayer, prayer is for me. Prayer is for you. Prayer is for God's people. Prayer is a joy to him, but in actuality, the necessity is ours. And what is our necessity that comes through prayer or the necessity that we have for prayer? Well, first of all, prayer makes us aware. Prayer makes us aware of God's ability and our lack thereof. When there's a situation that is too big for me, I pray. I pray because I know that I'm unable. When I've got that issue that I've been dealing with at work and, well, it really came to a head on Friday, but then I left and I just figured I'll take it up on Monday, well, before God, before a prayer, I'd spend, the, I'd spend the weekend praying as the world prays. It's called worry and worry and worry. And maybe even put it out of my mind for a day and a half, but then Sunday afternoon always wells around. And then I got that, that heavy feeling within my chest. I got to go face that situation on Monday morning. Well, the believer is to seek God out, that God would go before us and that I would pray. And really what that does is that connects me with the throne of God. It makes me aware of what God is able to do in my life. And I can't tell you all of the times when I prayed as the world did, worry, and I worried and I worried, and then I came into the situation, it was like, oh, wasn't that big of a deal after all, realizing that God had gone before me. And it's that process that God works in our lives to teach us to, well, to have prayer, to be in prayer, that makes us aware of God's ability and the understanding of our lack of ability. Secondly, prayer makes us aware of the providence of God's hands, that God provides for his people, that as I pray and as I see the provision come, that I know that it's from the Lord. Now, again, God doesn't just rain things down from heaven, but well, I can remember myself when I was an electrical contractor. My wife and I, we were having a pretty hard time. The economy got slow. A couple of the people that I did work, they filed for bankruptcy and We were in pretty bad shape. I had this big job, though, that came in, this big job that was going to help us go down the the road of recovery, at least push us down a ways. And I was excited about it, but then they told me that I had to have a certain amount of money up front. Certain, you know, I had to buy certain supplies and whatnot, and I just couldn't afford it at that time. I just had no operating capital. I didn't really know what to do. I, I talked to the, uh, to the general contractor, and, and I asked him, I, I said, is there any way we're going to get any money up front? And he says, and we're not going to get any money for another 30 days or so. 
And so the next day I was in the area of the job and I just went by and I was a fairly new believer and it was in Ontario, it was in North Ontario, this job. And so I went over there and I just, probably the first time I ever did, I just stopped my truck in the parking lot of that job and I just prayed. I just prayed, Lord, if this is something that you have for me, Lord, that you would provide. And Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it or how you will to do it or even if you do will to do it, but I just lay this at your feet because, Lord, I have no ability at this point. And it was over there. I can't even remember exactly, but Millican Enforcer was somewhere over there. By the time I drove from there to my house, which I live in the area of Philadelphia and Mountain, by the time I drove over there, I got a phone call, and it was from that contractor telling me I can come pick up a check for $20,000, that they had sent the, the money, and they didn't expect it, but there it was. And it's just like God teaching me. God teaching me how to pray. I remember walking into the house with kind of a dumb look on my face, and my wife says, what? What? And it was a neat thing just to, to share, to be able to share what God had done. Thirdly, prayer reminds us that God is in control. God's in control of every situation, of every circumstance of your life. We so like to rebel and take control, but it's God who is in control of your life and everything that occurs in your life, everything down to the most minute detail is under the hand of our God. Because if it's not, then it's by random chance. And if anything's by random chance, then it's going to bleed through into all of God's promises. And none of God's promises are by random chance. God is over every detail. And then lastly, prayer shows us the goodness of God, that he has that heart to hear from you. He has that heart to do for you. Prayer centers our thoughts before the throne of God. It centers your attention before God's face that you would understand that it's not about your will being done, but it's about the will of God being accomplished not only in your life, but through your life and into the lives of those whom God has given you influence over. A part of our night of praise and worship last week, last Sunday, we do this every so often. We do night of praise and worship once a month, but every so often I really feel that the Lord's leading and directing us to pray for the people who are hurting, to pray for the people who need a healing. And what we do is we'll give an opportunity for them to approach us after the service and ask for prayer and we'll anoint them with oil. Pastor, in doing this, was anybody ever healed? Well, was anybody healed miraculously that night? Not that I know of. Nobody said anything. Nobody got up and danced out of here. Did people get worse? Possibly. Very possibly people got worse. Did anyone get healed? I, I don't know if anybody got healed. But I do know that we were in God's perfect will as we did this. Because we are told, and the scripture I use is in James chapter 5, but is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and anoint him with oil. And that's what we did, simply because God said to do it. And can't go into all the details why God wants us to put oil on people and all of that stuff. I know all of the symbolic gestures. But the idea is, I just know that as we were doing that, and I could see it in the people's eyes who approached for prayer, that we were in the will of God. We were doing as a church and as born-again believers that which we were supposed to be doing. And I think God has the sick with us and the hurting with us, and sometimes he brings us into that camp, just as Joanne said, he had to knock her in the chest, to bring us to that place of prayer. And again, sometimes that's going to be your ministry. 
I call that getting up on the stretcher so that other people can carry you for a period of time, so that others can rally around you in a spirit of prayer. That's why we have the prayer list. That's what she was referring to. If you want to be part of the people who pray, if you want to have something prayed for, terry at ccont.org. It's in the bulletin. But the thing about it is we got over 200 people. So what that tells me is if you have a prayer request, you put it on the bulletin, at that moment it goes out. Now, I know not everybody's just sitting around their computer waiting, but you have the potential to have 200 people praying for you, and that's just an amazing thing. And so as we were praying for people last Sunday night, well, just Sunday night, as we're gathering together for our night of praise and work, extended worship time, and it was a blessing. We spoke and prayed through the word of God and the blessing that that was. We celebrated communion as God has commanded us to do so. And we anointed and prayed for for the sick. We were doing what a church was supposed to be doing. Now, we're doing what a church is supposed to be doing now. But again, there's those other elements, those other facets of Christianity that we can so easily leave off to the side. And again, I don't know if anybody got healed that night, but it wasn't really so much about that. It was about doing what God has called and commanded us to do last Sunday night. And my heart was a holy occurrence here at Calvary Chapel, Ontario. So as we get into the study today on prayer, there's two things that we have to understand going on, going in. There's two misconceptions that people can so easily have in prayer. The first one is God does not hear any of the prayers of the unbeliever. If you are an unbeliever, God does not hear your prayers. You could say, well, he hears the prayer of salvation. Well, salvation occurs in the heart, so salvation would occur even before a prayer can be uttered out. There are no blessings for man, for mankind, apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. So all of the meditation out there is just simply meditation for meditation's sake. All the chanting out there is just chanting into the air. All of the offerings, they all fall upon deaf ears. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 16, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody, that means absolutely nobody, nobody comes to the Father but through me. And so the only way that anybody, mankind as a whole, gets to the Father is through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have an issue with that, take it up with God, or maybe the Apostle John, because that's what's in the Bible. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. You do not get into the throne room of God except through Jesus Christ. And what that tells me is you have to have that right relationship with Christ in order for your prayers to be heard. Secondly, if you are a Christian, if you are a born-again believer, unrepentant sin in your life will cause God to turn his face from you. He'll hear your prayers but it's very possibly he will choose to not act until you deal with that sin. Now, there's nobody here that has not sinned even up from the time you woke up this morning until now. You know, maybe you had a bad thought or whatever it might be. I mean, there's just that that reality of the human condition. But if there's unrepentant sin that just continues on in your life, living this life that is apart from God, living a life in disobedience to the Lord, well, God does not bless a life that lives it, that lives that life contrary, does not bless a person that lives that life contrary to his will. In Psalm 66, verse 18, the psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Isaiah 59, verses 1 through 2, very direct. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, 
nor is here ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he shall not hear. That's why before we celebrate the communion meal, we always leave that opportunity that we would not celebrate that meal in an unworthy manner. But if there's any sin in our life, we give that opportunity because it's a most holy time. And again, when we start our prayers off, we need to make sure that is there anything that is going to keep God from hearing my prayer today? That's my prayer because I come out here. Lord, if there's anything in my life that needs to be dealt with, Lord, reveal it now before I go up on that platform that I would not hinder what you want to do this day, that I would not keep you from hearing, Father, my prayer of preparation for the giving of your word. Because if I'm in sin, then it's going to hinder what God wants to do. And again, in unrepentant sin in my life. We must come before the Lord with a pure heart because God is holy. And I cannot achieve purity based upon my own abilities. Nobody comes to the Father but through me, Jesus Christ said. So nobody comes to the Father except through the grace of God that enables us. But I've got to seek that grace out. If there's anything that could hinder a right relationship between my Father and myself, I've got to deal with it. And so Paul ended last week's study in verse 5. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand, and that's a good thing for us even today. The Lord is at hand? Well, the idea is the Lord is near. And he's saying the Lord is near in space, and the Lord is near in time. In space, we're told, and I'm not talking outer space, so stay with me. In Psalms 145, verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, all who call upon him in truth. The reason that God told us that he would never leave us nor forsake us is so that we would call upon him and be aware that God is close. God is close. And again, to further define that, he's close in order to provide for me. He's close in order to watch over for me. He's close in order to deal with a situation. It's not like I'm going to pray and it's going to take three hours for my prayer to get up in heaven and four days for him to answer it. He's not the Verizon help center. That's another thing thing that I had to deal with this week, spending hours on the phone to deal with her phone system. Um, He's there. He's close in space. He's there. He's wanting to hear from me, but he's there in order to care for me. The psalmist had that knowledge when he said it was just too wonderful. It was an amazing thing, regardless of wherever he went, that God was there. So near in space, but also near in time. James chapter 5, verse 8, you also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming, the second coming of Jesus Christ, James thought it was going to be during his day. Do you think it's going to be in your day? Well, we've got all of the appearances that it is. Every time something goes off in Israel, if you haven't been paying attention to the news, Israel has gone into the Gaza Strip again, and there's basically war going on. One of these days, it's just going to explode. It's going to explode in a way that just as it never has. And really, that's going to be one of the chief signs of the end times. Because what is that going to do? Well, what's the biggest problem? Well, we've got war between Israel and in Gaza. There were the Palestinians. Somebody needs to go over there and figure all that out and work peace. One day, there's going to be a man who's able to do that. We call him the Antichrist. And so, yeah, the second coming of Christ second coming of Christ is at hand. And the idea is, church, we need to be diligent in what God has called us to do. Because what if, what if the rapture comes in the next second? What if it comes in the next moment? 
What if it comes in the next day, week, month, or whatever it might be? We need to be busy doing what God has called us to do. So if you are a born-again believer, if you have no continuous unrepentant sin, and if you understand that God is near, then verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayers and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the idea here is, if you do that, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So let me ask you, is verse 7 an accurate reflection of your life? Does it describe your state of being? Do you have the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, that is guarding your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus? And the person that that describes is the person that watches the news, that looks on the internet, sees the events that's going on in this world and doesn't just instantly go to freak out. That, that, that the situation wells up in health or finances and it just isn't going out of their mind. That they're understanding that, well, we need to lift this up in prayer. Lift this up in prayer and understanding the value that comes because these situations and circumstances are going on. Lord, I need to get on your page. Because from my perspective, they make absolutely no sense. My perspective, it can seem like things are out of control, worldwide or or even personal. Personal? When we have a health issue. When we have a health issue that, well, (laughs) I I brought my grandson with me the last two weeks to church. And both times he said something. And I don't know what this means, but he said, last, two weeks ago, he said, or uh, last Sunday, he's looking at me, he's sitting on my couch, and I'm going over my study, he's coloring, he looks up at me, he says, Papa, when you die, who's going to take over the church? Shut up, kid. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, how the little kid, I didn't say that. Little kids, you know, things go in and out of their mind. And then he says, this morning, he looks at me, he says, Papa, if you die, is so-and-so going to take over the church? And I'm just thinking, do I look that old? I mean, come on, I asked him, do you think I'm going to die anytime soon? And he goes, no. But, you know, it's one of those things that you think, well, maybe God's given some special insight into a little kid that's got purity before the Lord. Well, we are all going to die. I got the bad news for you. But that, for a Christian, is actually good news. And so, as we get closer to that day of death, our abilities aren't all what they used to be. We were playing soccer yesterday. We walked over to the park, and I was the goalie, and... He kicked the ball, and he kicked the ball, kind of tried to get it between my legs, and I couldn't bend over far enough to stop it. I kind of got stuck about right there. I got this kind of bump in the middle that kind of hinders me from bending sometimes. And then, uh, you know, he was kind of messing around, and I stole the ball from him, so I ran across the other field to the other goal, just kind of teasing him, 100 yards away, and I almost didn't make it. I'm just thinking, man, that's a long way. Just not the person that I used to be. And we're going to get sick. And that's going to become a reality. And everybody in here, barring accident, one day, barring rapture, is going to get sick and die. And that being the case, okay, I need to pray. I need to pray when I get sick. I need to pray for God's will. The day of my death is definitely going to be a holy day for any born-again believer. But there's going to come those times when I get sick and I'm just not able to do anything about that sickness. I need to give it over to the Lord. And that's going to guard my heart and my mind. That's going to give me the peace that surpasses understanding. Or worse than that, what happens when a child gets sick? You know, I so can provide for my kids or now my grandkids and protect them and everything, but sometimes 
there's going to be things that I'm not able to protect them from, and that's got to be a hard thing to do. God, you need to guard my heart and mind, and he's going to do it through prayer. Give me that peace that surpasses understanding. Or what happens when you lose a job, that which you've depended upon for your well-being, and all of a sudden the job is just gone. The job is just gone, and you no longer have that income, and well, you need to seek out God because ultimately it didn't come from your job. It did come from God, and he will guard your hearts and minds and give you that peace that surpasses understanding. Because you see, peace that surpasses understanding is having peace in the midst of that which the world goes to freak out on. It's that which, why would you have peace in this situation? Don't you understand what's going on? Again, my, I get saved. My wife and I, we get saved, and we hadn't been saved for very long, and I had my business at the time, and my mom would come in and do my books every so often. And I got, I got audited by the IRS. I asked, Mom, what'd you do? It wasn't her, but it was actually, they owed us money. We refiled some tax returns before they gave us a check. They audited us. And so I just, okay, you know, and the Lord just gave me a piece in the midst of it. He, the Lord just says, just do what you have to do, and I'll do what I have to do. And he told me, just get all of your records together. And so when I went in for that audit, I had two suitcases with me. The auditor even laughed at me. What did you bring in here? But that was the last time they laughed. And then all of a sudden they get dead serious. But I remember the whole time my mom is just freaking out. And I just said, don't worry. And she goes, what do you mean don't worry? You're getting audited by the IRS. Don't you care? Yeah, I care. But what am I going to do? What do you mean what are you going to do? I guess she wanted me to freak out like she was freaking out. But you know what? Nowhere in here does it say freak out. That was some kind of tacky song from the 70s, I think. <laughs> no, instead of freaking out, I'm to seek out God. I'm to seek out God. Instead of owing me $500 or whatever it was, they owed me $5,000. They haven't audited me since. <laughs> I don't mean that in a prideful way, but nonetheless. So, if I'm not praying, what are you doing? Are you trying to take the place of God have you not given God the proper place of your life? If you are pushing God out of your way and trying to deal with things yourself, then in your own mind, you're God. But you're not. You're not. And you can't. And not only can you not, but you're going to find yourself in despair when you try to deal with things apart from the Lord. See, when you push God out of the way, if you're not seeking the Lord in prayer, then you're dependent upon your abilities and you're limited by your inabilities. You can only do so much. Only for, I can't heal anybody. I, I can't get a job when I've been laid off from that particular job. I know you can go out and pound the pavement as you should, but nonetheless... All the good things, all provision comes from the Lord. And so God allows these things to happen to bring us to the place of prayer in order for us to reconnect with him. And so, yeah, I'm not dictating to God at all. I mean, if you are, and we do that so easily, telling God exactly what he needs to do, but he'll just wait. He'll wait until we're ready to hear from him exactly what he wants to do. And it's at that point that we get on the same place. And what is God going to do in your life? He's going to teach you to pray. Whether you like it or not, God is going to teach you to pray. He'll probably bring little things into your life. And then as you learn that, he'll take you up to the next step and the next step and the next step until there's total dependency upon God. And what does total dependency upon God bring? It brings peace of God, which surpasses understanding that guards your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And so God is there. God is willing and wanting to take care of you. Are you seeking him out? 
Are you seeking the Lord out? Or is it just an SOS, a flare prayer when time of trouble comes? Uh-oh, better, better pray. Or is prayer a natural part of your life? It needs to be a natural part of your life, something that you are quick to do. Now, I'm not a person that, well, a lot of times I act in the flesh. Not so much anger, but what do I got to do? What do I got to do to make this better? But really that mindset, when that comes in my life, that's kind of a trigger for prayer. It's a trigger to come before God and see what God wants to do. And sometimes God's answer is just hold on for a while. Just wait for a bit, especially when it comes to children. When your children, something's going on in their lives, you're ready to jump in, just your feet first. Sometimes God is saying, just wait a minute, give me a moment, give me a moment. I don't need your guidance right now. You just rest and relax here for a while because just as surely as I dealt with you, I'm dealing with them right now. One of my kids, it was a minor thing, but they're just kind of going through one of those growing situations. My, this particular child is pushing 30, however old they are, and just dealing with this kind of minor thing. My daughter, who moved back to uh, New York with her husband, and you know, just kind of a minor thing. And this thing popped up, and they called my wife. Well, should we do this? Should we do that? Should we do this? And we just felt that God, that God told us, no, remember? I didn't have anybody come into your life and, 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 and overstep my will and, and how I was dealing with you. Just wait. Let me be God in their lives. Because it's only then that they're going to have the peace of God that surpasses understanding that will guard their hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Because to have the peace of God that surpasses understanding that will guard your hearts and minds through Pastor Mike isn't going to work. Or through mom and dad, it's just not going to happen. I mean, at the very least, even if I'm able to provide so much one day, as I said before, I'm going to die. Just ask my grandson. <laughs> He's preparing for that day. And then, who are they going to depend upon? Well, they need to be, they need to be taught to depend upon God. So, all this being the case, what are you worrying about? The only thing that would worry such a person is, a person that's dependent upon God, is that God will fail. Well, nowhere in the Scripture does God fail. Or God has lied. Well, if God has lied, then his word is not truth, and we're in bigger despair than that. Or God is not wise enough, but we know none of those things fit God. So if God doesn't fail, if God doesn't lie, and God is wise enough, and it's he who we're casting our cares upon, what are we worried about? And you need to dissect your worry, especially if you're a worry wart, especially if you're a person who is prone to worry. Dissect your worry and find out really what you're worried about in comparison to God. And really you'll find out as you've lost your perspective of God. You have to know this going in, that you are, if you're a born-again believer, you are a child of God. You're a child of God and God loves you. And God is not going to let any harm come to you. He is going to watch over you and protect you. Now you're going to go into hard situations. I guess I should define harm. Harm your relationship with him that brings you into his throne room ultimately. Nothing is going to be able to alter that. Some people in this room, even right now, you're going to get sick. You're going to die, as I said. Some of us will get cancer. Some of us may have a heart attack. Some of us may get hit by a car. But ultimately, you're in the presence of the Lord, and that's what God is concerned about, and it's what we got to be concerned about. And everything else is just peripheral. It's hard, but it's peripheral. It's peripheral. If you go and you go to be with the Lord, just like I told Joanne, if you go to be with the Lord, can I get your guitar? Because she's going to be playing a harp, and she don't need it anymore. She said yes. So if, 
If you read that she's, you know, uh, just kind of suddenly gone away, you may want to look at me. Proper perspective of the power of prayer. This morning we have the ability to put every therapist and secular counselor out of business. If people would truly grasp on to the power of God and the power that He has placed in prayer. It's the place where we have the solution to the hardships of life, prayer is. It's here that we're able to overcome all of the despair of the world. It's where we find final victory over our inabilities and our lack of strength. So we need to stay focused on this area, especially if you're born again. You can't be bored again in this concept today. You have to grasp onto it because this is where Christ is really going to have an effect upon the born-again believer's life. And if you're not saved, if you're not a born-again believer, the only thing I have for you is to get right with Christ. It's a decision that you need to make. You need to make it today. Today is the day of salvation. It's only then that God is truly going to hear your prayers. But this section of Scripture is the antidote for anxiety, and it's God's will for mankind's worry. Pray. And you've got to do it with all of your heart. First Peter chapter 5, verses 6-7, through seven, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's what prayer is, that He may exalt you in due time. Pastor Mike, how long is due time? As I said so many times, just as long as it's as necessary. Just as long is as necessary. It might be longer for you and shorter for me. It might be shorter for me and longer for you. I don't know. That was kind of sexual anyway. But you get the idea. Just as long is as necessary for who you are and what God is doing in your life. It's pray. And as you pray, God moves. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Quite a few years ago, I think it was in the 80s, Bobby McFerrin came out with a song that says, Don't worry, be happy. And he just pretty much repeated that throughout the whole song. Don't worry, be happy. And, okay, Bob, but why? What are you basing that? And he based it on nothing. It's just like, you're worrying? Well, just don't worry. It's like, oh, yeah, well, that's, well, what happens when something enters your life that you should be worried about? There's even a new song by this great philosopher, Parnell Williams. He scored a number one hit recently with the song, Happy. And he wrote these words. I'm happy, clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. Because I'm happy, clap along if you know what happens is to you. Oh, I'm sorry, if you know what happiness is to you. Because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. Problem with these philosophers is there's no substance to back up their philosophies. Again, what is he saying here? Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. What in the world does that mean? I don't understand. I mean, I guess (laughs) maybe I'm a room, uh, room without a roof. It fell off, but other than that, I've never really prayed about that because I'm okay with it. God is the one who's got to look at me from that perspective, and he seems to be happy with what he sees. Clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. That's foolishness. Happiness is truth. Happiness is truth. There's happy, I'm sorry, there's truth page to page. And it's not about happiness, it's about joy in Jesus Christ. And without Jesus Christ, there is no joy, and there's definitely no happiness. 
Christianity is all about holiness. Because I'm happy, clap along if you know what happiness is to you. So the idea is he's allowing you to define what happiness is. Happiness to me, is it a million dollars in the bank? I guarantee you, I'll never have a million dollars in the bank. It's just not, if I ever have a million dollars in the bank, you need to go to a different church. Is it a big house? I'm looking for a smaller house. And again, we can plug in anything. But the problem is, you know, if we make these things our happiness, most of these things are unattainable and we're never going to get them. And that means you're never going to be happy. But again, God desires holiness. And as I have holiness, then I will find that peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I want dependency upon the Lord. Dependency upon the Lord is a proactive thing. I've got to bring something to the altar for God to bless. And that which I need to bring to the altar is my life. My life. As I offer my life to the Lord, God is going to bless me. So how are we to cast our cares upon him? First way that we are to cast our cares upon him is through conversation. The word conversation here is prayer. And that's what he's talking about. Just simply conversing with God. Do you talk to God? If you're married, do you talk to your spouse? If you're not talking to your spouse, you probably don't have a very good marriage. If you have friends and you're not talking to your friends, you probably don't have a good friendship. Matter of fact, if you, how many times have I heard from my daughter, so how's your friend so-and-so? I don't know, we're not talking to one another. Why are you not talking to one another? Because I'm mad at her, so this relationship isn't a good thing then, right? And again, so if I'm not talking to God, then are you mad at God? Is there something, there must be something wrong with your relationship if that's the truth. And so again, conversing with God through prayer. This is just generally speaking with God. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians that we'll get to here sometime next year, pray without ceasing, verses 15, 17. This is to be connected to the throne at all times. Connected to the throne at all times. That's why we don't have, you know, say 20 our fathers and 30 active contritions or whatever it might be. Just have simple conversation with God. And then what happens? The trials and tribulations of your life, they enter into your prayer life. You don't have a prayer life that is trying to crack into the trials and tribulations. You're prepared for those things. A couple of years, well, about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit longer when we first had a church office, most of you, some of you can relate to this. Some of you, it's even before your time. We first, I had a computer system, and in order to get my email and everything, I had a modem. A modem is a thing, when you turn it on, it sounds like a train wreck. And then once you turn it on to get on to, it was a means by which to get onto the internet, it, it would take five minutes that seemed like five hours. And then finally you would get on the internet and it would go really slow. Then they came out with this thing, DSL. And it was an amazing thing. You no longer had to stay, or you no longer had to go and make a conscious decision to connect with the internet. You were connected all the time. So when email comes, boom, it's there. When news comes, boom, it, it's right there. And, 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 and DSL was completely, it was another world from, from dial-up. What's your prayer life? Do you have a dial-up prayer life? Or do you have a DSL prayer life? Are you connected all the time? Or is it, once again, just that flare prayer when you've got to throw up that SOS? What is your prayer life with God? I mean, if you were up in heaven and, you, and, and well, let's just say you, you had a picture, you could be both places at the same time. You were in heaven watching the throne room of God and you prayed, does God say, who's that? Who's calling? No, when 
When my mom calls, my mom calls a couple times a week, I know it's mom because she's called before. I got her number. I see it's mom, and we enter into conversation right away. And when a stranger calls, it's like, who's that? And it takes a while to understand who this person is and what they want. What's your relationship like with the Lord? Are you having that constant conversation? The conversation of prayer focuses on the adoration, devotion, and dedication to the Lord of our lives. Again, putting God in proper perspective. When you put God in proper perspective, you will have a proper perspective of your life. It's important that you understand and realize the blessing here. As you have open conversation with the Lord, you will be constantly seeking His direction and receiving His direction. Some of the direction will be according to what you want. Some will be contrary to what you want but all will be good in the sight of God. So that tells us that there's going to be answered prayer according to my will, and there's going to be answered prayer that is not according to my will. But let me ask you this. Just think of it. If God gave you everything that you ever asked for, well, first off, you'd be thinking, yes, I knew I was coming to this church for some reason. Well, that's not going to happen, but... If God gave you everything that you asked for, you had better not be wrong in what you asked for. You had better not be wrong because you're getting it no matter what. How many times have you been wrong in your life? How many times have you prayed for something and according to from a particular perspective and realized that that perspective was completely wrong? With Jesus as our Lord, answered and differently answered prayer is a blessing from God. So all of your prayers are answered. Some are answered according to your will, and some are answered contrary to your will, but they are all answered. The second way to cast your care upon him is through supplication. This is praying specifically for something or somebody. This is praying for yourself. This is interceding for somebody else. But this is not just excess speaking. This is earnestly asking. Earnestly asking God to heal somebody. Earnestly asking God to deal with a situation or to deal with a relationship. Earnestly praying for God that he would watch over, protect, but also move in the lives of your kids and your grandkids, again, whatever else it might be. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he asks, or he hears us. I know he hears us. And so people ask me from time to time, how's the tinnitus in your ear? I've got this constant ringing in my ear. I was describing it to somebody, and they're saying, it, it rings all the time? Does it, does it drive you crazy? And I told them, only when you ask, because I've kind of got used to it, so I don't really hear it until somebody says, how's the ringing in your head? Still there. But you know what? As bad as that may sound, and it's a pain, but I've got a peace about it. Because God has, I've prayed about it. I continue to pray about it, but God has allowed it to continue. And as God has allowed it to continue, God's got reason for it. God's got purpose in it. It drives my wife crazy because I'm always saying, what? What? Um, the other day, we were here at the prayer meeting, and the refrigerator at the coffee bar was making a noise. She goes, what's that noise? I said, what noise? And she always responds the same way. You don't hear that? <laughs> No, I, I can't hear that. <clears throat> the third way that I cast my care upon him is through appreciation. Again, this is a key part that we leave out a lot. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. 
Notice how this prayer of appreciation is offered with the other two before the answer is given. Pray thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you that you hear me. Lord, I thank you that you answer prayer. You don't wait until you see the answer. You know, I'll hold my thanks back until I evaluate how this prayer is answered. That's not the idea here. It's when you can pray with appreciation in the midst of conversing and supplicating with God that you know that you are truly seeking after His will and not your own will. And again, that's a big part of our prayers. Lord, cause my will to be joined with yours. 1 Timothy 2.1, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. When you realize this place of prayer in your life, then you'll have this promised, guaranteed result of verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I don't know how I could possibly have peace in particular situations and circumstances except for by God. What surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I see all the evil that's going on. What's going on with my grandson, Henry, year and a half? Is he protected? Is, is he safe? And then I've got two other grandchildren that are down in 29 Palms. Are, are, are they okay in the class that they put him in? What's that teacher? Who is that teacher that, that they're with? Even my grandson, Noah, where's he at right now? How do I know he's not out in the parking lot? And then we got the Israel thing, and they're going all at each other over there. And what if somebody presses a nuclear button? And do you know how many nuclear bombs are out there? Do you know how many buttons are there? Do you know whose finger is over the button getting ready to push it? Is it one that's aimed towards you? Is it one that's aimed towards your house? And then I live in Ontario and the airplanes come flying over. How do I know airplanes are not going to come crashing into my house today? And all the bad guys out there, how do I know somebody's not going to break in and wipe us all and kill us today? And you can freak out on all of these things. But the peace of God that surpasses understanding is going to guard your hearts, the inner person, and it's going to guard your minds. Because I know that God's in control. I know when there's something that starts getting the best of me, I've got this opportunity for prayer. I've got this opportunity to seek out the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Are you using that? Prayer is an integral part of a believer's life. Jesus Christ, he's going to the cross. Again, keep in mind, this is God's prayer from, the, from before the foundation of the world. And here Jesus is, and he's understanding finally, I shouldn't say finally, but he's really experiencing the magnitude of going to the cross and taking sin upon himself. And so this is, this is a situation, circumstance, this is off the charts. And what does he do? He prays. He prays. Now, what did the disciples do? They didn't pray. What did Jesus do? He went to the cross in obedience. What did the disciples do? They ran away. They were ill-prepared because they were not a people who prayed. Jesus gave the example he set the pattern for us that we would be people who pray. Now, now is when I say, you've got to start coming to the prayer meetings once a month on Sunday night or the meetings before service. And you do, but this has got to be developed in your personal life first. It's got to be developed in your personal life first because prayer meetings will be an extension of that. It's something that the Lord, and we didn't do it perfectly, but God got a hold of our hearts concerning prayer very early. I was thinking not too long ago, I've been attending a once-a-month prayer meeting from the beginning of this church and even before in my previous ministry for about 25 years. 
And it's just simply based upon God has called us to pray. And I've seen amazing things come out of prayer in my own personal life. And it's all about, again, getting my face back squared before the throne room of God. Seeing God seated upon that throne. And notice, regardless of what's going on in the world, regardless of what's going on in my church life, my personal life, regardless of my concerns and worries about my children or grandchildren, God's will be done. And it's then that you have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, regardless of what's going on. Father, we just thank you that you have given us this pattern for prayer. And and Lord, I, I look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul's in a dungeon and he's encouraging people still to pray. He did not lose heart, but I believe that it was even in the midst of prison that he gained heart in his difficulty. And so, Father, I do pray that we would be a people who have that peace of God that surpasses understanding. But, Lord, we don't know that until we're in the hard time and the difficult day. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would grasp on to the knowledge of this, that, Father, when we are led into our next trial, into our next hardship, Father, may we be people either literally or figuratively who fall to our knees and really pray, earnestly seeking you out. Father, this is a gift that you have given to the church, and the majority of the church has either left it unwrapped or has only taken it apart partially. I pray, Father, that we would grasp on to the truth and the reality of this. And so, Father, we just thank you for this day. We lift it up to you. I pray for the busyness of it as we have a leadership meeting today, as we have our service tonight. But nonetheless, Lord, as we're on the cusp of Vacation Bible School, we just pray, Father, for all that you want to do. We pray for the lives that you want to see saved. We pray for the kids, Lord, that we're able to have influence into their lives. And, Father, I pray that you would even save people through the lives of these children as well. So, Father, fill us with your spirit. Use us in glorious ways, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You all stand, please.